Is this the you can't have your pudding if you haven't had your meat? Or is this the wrong band? Maybe it's the wrong band? I thought this was Floyd. It is, right? <laughs> that was not Pink Floyd. Okay. Does that help? Yeah, I know who it is now. So your night was pretty fun last night, right? Um, yeah, the music was really, really good. But the, the people were asshats? So generally, I don't know how many times you've been to like a hippie jam band type concert, Dusty. I guess Boulevardia would count. Probably. They weren't really jam bands, but there was definitely like a like a hipster vibe. Uh, not hipster. I thought hipsters were like the, I thought they were like the vibey, just like, yeah, man, like. No. Everything's cool, bro. Hipsters are people who are a little bit like Pete Sweeney, who are very invested into, you know, their personal appearance and stuff like that, but want to make it appear like they don't care. Hippies actually don't care. So, anyways, the point is the music was very good, but generally when you go there, we had a very fun time down on Shakedown Street. That's why I played Shakedown Street. I bought a nice pen. The man gave me a nice uh, free sticker, Mm. which was great. But, yeah, the hippie vibe for a show where generally you expect to see a lot of like-minded people. No, not so much. The people were kind of jerks. The man, our seats were great at the Midland, a great venue to go and see a concert. It was really, really great. It is awesome. And we were up kind of in the upper area, and we had nice seats and everything. Yeah. The dude in front of me, as we were all standing for, you know, the opening, what, 10, 12 minutes. We all... So what do they play, like four songs? <laughs> I think in the 10, 12 minutes, he probably played one. I'm saying like total night. Oh, uh, 16, 17? Wow, sounds like a seven-hour concert. It was about three and a half Oof. with a little set break. So anyways, the point is, mm-hmm. I mentioned to the lovely wife at some point, I say, man, I hope we're able to sit down at some point. And the dude in front of me turns around oh, God. and was a real... Richard about ah. it, so it might be a Richard. No Friday, well, maybe not a Friday show. No, probably not, so we might have to do it tonight. I'll have to get the intro. Yeah. But so anyways, he's like, yeah, we might be standing up later. Uh, what? That's fine. I just said to my wife, would it be all right if we sat down for a minute? Yeah, kiss and so, my ass, Terry. Exactly. <laughs> so the entire time, this dude, for we went and stood for the yeah. second set because I was like, dude, we got to get the hell out of here. Mm-hmm. This is no good. So for the rest of the first set, while trying to enjoy the music and sitting there, this dude's significant other kept turning around and, like, looking every time to be like, is that guy pissed? Uh, is he pissed? She knows like, her husband's a rich No, I don't, I don't care. Like, if the dude wants to stand, I don't care. I literally came to listen to music. I can see the lights still. It's all fine. But, yeah, so at the set break, I mm. leaned left, and I said, hey, man, I'm sorry if my comment about you standing – that I mentioned to my wife. Oh, so you went full Larry David. Came across as rude. And mm. he's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, ah. So at that point, again, set break. I'm like, well, we can't go back to our seats. Oh, so you let them win? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. The worst part was I put my wife into the lovely situation of saying, oh, well, crap. <laughs> I left my coat up there. And you made her go get it? Oh, who do you think I am? I'm not a tough guy. I'm not going to go and fight this man that I clearly you instigated. You think he wanted to fight you? No, I don't. But he, again, to get back to the point, yeah. I think that when you're going to a show like that, you expect people to be like-minded. And for this guy to be blatantly a douche, yeah. 
Which is not the vibe I would get at a Bob Weir concert. No, and we had to go out of our way at the very beginning to tell the people that they were in our seats and they didn't want to move. They had set stuff. It was in- those people? Yeah. Oh, God. So, yeah, it was It was just all in all great music. Yeah. Awesome venue. Terrible very, people. Eh, for the most part. Yeah. That's the way it always is, man. People ruin everything. And it, it sucked because Lean isn't like the deadhead type person, you know, yeah. so that's not really her like jam. So she's just there to be full supportive wife. Exactly. Yeah. So and then she had to go get your jacket. Well, that's so also. she really was a full supporting wife. Good for her. Hats off to her. For right? sure. But no, the worst part is we went last year to Bob Weir and she's seen Fish and Humphreys McGee and different bands. And she just of, hates all that stuff. No, she doesn't. She actually really enjoys the people watching and stuff like that. But even last night, <laughs> I thought it was great when she was like, for whatever reason, the vibe was just off with the people there. And she's not on the same level as you and I, Ugh. generally. So if someone who is an outsider is saying that, yeah, I just sometimes it's kind of like you say at the end of each show, Dusty, don't be a jerk. Just be a nice person. Everybody's there. We're all trying our best. Ugh. Somebody says, Jed just effing buried Pete Sweeney. Oh, absolutely. I, I talk trash on Pete all the time, mainly because he says, smell you later to Jay Binkley on every Chiefs postgame show. Mm. So until he stops doing that, I will not stop he burying won't. Pete. He's been doing that his whole time. Well, then I'm not going to stop burying Pete. And then, he, uh, and then he hangs up on Bink. Yeah, generally. Somebody says, there a term for your generation to be your own thing, oh, not whoa. steal a term and try to be something from the 60s. Hippie. My gin was trying to be flappers. Hippies were over 60 years ago now. So nothing good from the past can ever come about, I guess. And then the A16 says she definitely hates all that jam band blank. Probably. Oh, for sure. I mean, she's nice enough to go with me. My buddy's a huge Grateful Dead fan. Like, I'm yeah, t- you I was told telling you about, about that. that. Yeah. His wife, there's no way she likes it. Because I always ask him, like, so if you like going on a road trip, like, who decides music? Because you guys are very snobby with your music. Like, oh, you think absolutely. nothing can touch the Grateful Dead, nope. Fish. Nothing can come close. And the minute that somebody tries to have, like, their music come into the picture, you're like, eh. But it's just such a polar opposite. Like, you just, I don't know. So you're saying that guy's a nice guy? I'm a douche? I don't think you're a douche. Oh, I see. I think that you have snobby, tendencies. No, snobby, like, music arguments. I feel like that's short-sighted. And I don't mean snobby as in, like, a mean way. I think it's just, like, there's just people that, like, to me, like, all, okay, I can't say this because I don't know this, but diehard Springsteen fan. The minute I bring up Springsteen to a Grateful Dead fan, yeah, it's just, yeah, I'm good. It's not as good would be one of the reasons. Yeah. Is he as talented on the guitar as Jerry? Probably not. No. Can he write better? 100%. Probably not. Oh, God. I mean, oh my god. This we might be taking this one off the air. I mean, I don't know if there's a music I know there's not. That's won three Oscars for three different songs for three different films. No one's done that but the boss. So Well, you know what's you know what's neat when talking about smoking. music is talking about movie scores that uh, mean nothing. Uh, Are you gonna talk about Philadelphia? That's do, one of them. Do, do, do. That's one of them. Don't give me that. Secret How? Garden, Jerry Maguire's the other, and then the rest. Wow, yeah, let's talk about some mm. brilliant pieces of cinematic history. Hey, man, dance in the kitchen with your wife to Secret Garden. You'll be in love for the rest of your life, no matter what. I'm not going to do that. I would. I did it, and it got me single. Um, 
That's unfortunate, though, that somebody did that at a concert. Uh, in that whole 10-minute segment, we didn't talk one thing about sports, and no one got mad at us. How about the sports in, ball, though? Yeah, I don't know. Sporting played. The Royals are doing well. Is Big 12 tournament. Is sporting good? This season? No, right? They're not. I mean, they've only played two matches. We can well, you can kind of tell, right? Um, like You kind of like see it, and you're like, eh, this isn't going to be a fun year. I think that they're limited right now because they're waiting for Alan Polito to get back, who's obviously their most high-priced yeah. player right. and best offensive striker. So I do think that there are exciting things that can come from this team on the pitch. Whether they actually have resolved the issues in the back end is a different issue. But I do think that sporting actually will be – Definitely competitive. The fact that they have Peter Vermees and a brilliant ownership group in yeah. place. Oh, yeah. I definitely think that they'll be in the playoff picture. You saw last year that they were bitten by injuries, losing Gotti Kinda and mm-hmm. Polito, as I mentioned, but were right there towards the end, playing some of their best form, getting into their best form, excuse me, towards the end of the season. So I do think that this team is a dangerous team moving forward. So there you go. There's some sports talk. Vermees will never get fired, right? I wouldn't think so. I mean, being such a long-tenured manager and general manager, for lack mm-hmm. of a better better term, but also being a player who won, you know, an MLS Cup here, being just a stalwart of the franchise. No, I think that that he has stabilized himself within the sporting franchise enough that he'll be able to walk away on his own terms. Yeah. For that's better, what, for it, worse. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the way I see it, is that he's just like, when he wants to be done, it'll be done. Like, it's one of those, like, I'll see my way out. I've had enough. You're on your own now. And we, it, it, I mean, to bring it into something that is a little bit more topical to people mm-hmm. who, who actually, you know, don't necessarily follow soccer, we thought the same thing about Dayton Moore just because of all of the success that he brought, and we saw how that ultimately ended up winning. Not to say that it's the exact same thing, but I do think that the success, you know, the fact that he was such a a giant piece of the community mm-hmm. and organization for so long, different in the sense that Vermees was there as a player yeah. and then took over. But I do think that there are some similarities. I go to a lot of deathmatch wrestling events from the five, six, five, six, three. That's not an area code I'm familiar with. I go to a lot of deathmatch wrestling events. It's a very odd mix of people, but everyone there to see bloody violence. Super, super nice. Three, six mafia won an Oscar. Yeah. They didn't win three of them. After two weeks of spring training, I have way too much hype for the Royals. Hey, man, hammer that over of 69 and a half. That's what I'm saying. Uh, we come back. I want to talk about what this day means for Chiefs fans. I try to put it in a perspective that I think I understand, that I think you'll understand of why they're doing exactly what they're doing, and I'll bring up one name that defines it all because of what it is that is today. Trust me, you'll be all right. Tony, man, I tried to get you recruited the other day. You want to jump over to the Red Devil side of Manchester United? Feel free. Although they got absolutely obliterated on Sunday by Liverpool. I will never, ever cheer for Manchester United. What if Christian Pulisic went to Man U? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I didn't 
like Chelsea because and because he went to Chelsea or it didn't like Chelsea because he went to exactly nailed it first try. Mm-hmm. That's why you do the talking and I play the music. Better Chelsea player for you, Frank Lampard or uh, Didier Drogba? Didier Drogba yeah. is my favorite player of all I time. Wondered, I, I wonder if that's where it started. Yep. Yeah, FIFA, what... you can come by. We'll play some FIFA. I'll kill you. I get I'll... 100%. I'll destroy you. I'm just being honest and kind because I will absolutely kill you. It won't be close. What are you doing at nine? Uh, driving back home to Lee Summit. Nope. Yep. We have plans. Nope. I mean, you could always just bring the system up here. And then instead of show prepping, we'll just play and talk about conversations. Because we did a lot of show prep. We got a lot done. Well, I did. I work weird. Well, Binkley and I were sitting there playing grab ass. You actually were, guys, can you keep it down? Mm, Arsenal supporter here was great watching, man. You get destroyed. Watch your tongue. Watch your tongue. Greatest English Premier League team of all time, and it's because not even close. Because you're a Wayne Rooney guy. Yeah, well, you're a Chelsea guy because of Didier Drogba. I know, but so why can't I be a Man U guy because of Wayne Rooney? One's likable, one isn't. Wayne one Rooney's is actually, awesome. I believe Didier Drogba actually won a um, like President's Medal for being a great humanitarian. Wayne Rooney got hair plugs at 24. I don't see how that makes you a good person or someone to root for. He shut down Piers Morgan on Twitter and. Kind of bodied him up a little bit. That's kind of nice. So, still not seeing how that's a win. He's a better person than Piers Morgan, which that's not hard. Okay. Hey, man. You thought I was going to say, oh, I like Manu because Cristiano Ronaldo went there. Nope. Wayne Rooney, baby. No, I figured you'd have some poser wannabe take. No, I just like Manu. I also like loved Sir Alex Ferguson. Great dude. Great manager. That you cannot deny. How's it going for Chelsea this year? (laughs) The Chiefs will not use the franchise tag on left tackle Orlando Brown. Kind of a surprise here. A lot of folks thought maybe that would be at least a placeholder for these sides to work out a deal. But the Chiefs telling Brown and his agents today the number's just too high. And it would have been around $20 million. It would have been 120% increase from last year when he got the first tag at 16 and change. They offered him a deal somewhere around 18 on average last year to try to get it done. Didn't get it done. They were frustrated that they weren't able to come to an agreement. So... Barring some kind of extension from the Chiefs to Orlando Brown in the next week, which seems unlikely right now, given that they value him below that second tag, the Pro Bowl, Super Bowl winning left tackle is headed toward free agency. And I expect him to have a number of suitors. Look, he's not like that elite, elite left tackle out there, but he's a guy who just plays winning football, played on the right side in Baltimore, proved he could move to the left side in Kansas City. I expect multiple suitors for Orlando Brown in free agency next week. I think I know what today is going to feel like for a lot of you. Maybe you're on my side where you don't really know what Brett Veach is doing. And it, it's not terrifying. It's just it, to me, it's absolutely fascinating because I was telling Pete Sweeney, who was getting ready to go on with Carrington. And we had a conversation. I was like, man, I feel pretty confident that I can kind of read people enough when I've, you know, dove in and kind of taking my time however long it takes. Brett Veach is a curveball, but Brett Veach knows one thing, 
He knows how it works in the NFL. And a lot of people are probably like, wow, they didn't use a franchise tag on Orlando Brown. And like Grafalo says in that report, they didn't value him enough, at least from their standards, or the price, or the market, that Orlando Brown Jr. was worth it to bring back. And somebody's going to pay him. Somebody's for sure going to pay Orlando Brown Jr. It's not going to be the Chiefs. Brett Veach knows what works. If you disagree with that, well, you're just very wrong. Look at last year's draft class, the previous draft class, the previous, previous draft class, and then look at where this team's been since it's kind of all been together with those people at the top. The quarterback, there's debates. I've heard Mahomes' agent on this program with Jay Binkley, Lee Steinberg say Brett Veach did the homework. Brett Veach did all the, you know. And then other people say, well, it might have been Dorsey. And a lot of us in Kansas City had the whole trust in GMDM for a while. The World Series got you there. The playoffs got you there. Back-to-back titles with... Now what looks like maybe they just had an anomaly as a bullpen that really helped that out. And a good core, right? I mean, you did get it right with trades and stuff like that, so you got to give credit where credit's due. But Brett Veach has proven to you that he wants this team to be successful, and he knows how this team is successful. And the way this team is successful is you keep Patrick Mahomes happy. And the way you keep Patrick Mahomes happy is you keep Patrick Mahomes protected with talent, and you keep Patrick Mahomes protected with sturdiness. Orlando Brown Jr., I think we all could have thought if we wanted to make a make-believe futures bet, is this person with the Kansas City Chiefs next year? I think a majority of you probably would have said no. I think a lot of people probably would have said, well, I could see him franchise tagging him. And that's where I was a little bit, a little bit surprised. And the Chiefs do these things. And Brett Veach and Andy Reid do these things because they don't want to put money in a player and then be handcuffed to not be able to do it later. Now, you can't trade Orlando Brown. Obviously, he's a free agent. You're not going to tag him. Done. It was a good run. You were a nice piece to a good team. You weren't a main piece on a good team. They'll pay... People on this offensive line, like Creed Humphrey, will get paid. Everyone will say, well, they didn't give Orlando Brown Jr. money. Why would they give Creed Humphrey money? Because Creed Humphrey will be the best at his position. And centers don't make a ton of money. But again, the news of the day is Orlando Brown Jr. is going to test free agency, and somebody's going to pay him. Somebody who needs to protect a quarterback that has a lot of cap room, like the Chicago Bears. Now, again, he can play right tackle, left tackle. I don't know if Orlando Brown Jr. is going to get the money he thinks he's going to get, but he's going to get more than what Kansas City would probably ever pay him. And if you want to be the Patriots and you want to be a team of a decade, the hell with dynasty talk, let's talk decades. This is the type of stuff that has to happen. It hurts, I'm sure, some of you. You're like, oh, wow, he just got rid of that left tackle. We don't. Who's going to play left tackle? It's one of the most top three important positions on the football field. Top five. 
I'd say three is probably quarterback, receiver, D end, then maybe left tackle. But you look at what that is, and you you should have less emotions about it because I'm not saying that you're like sad. I'm just saying like in in like fear maybe is the emotion. But it's Brett Veach, man. The guy knows what he's doing. The guy has longevity here, and he's going to be doing this a long time because he's really good at it. So just, you know. From the 816, for the first time in 30 years, we're in a place where we don't have to worry about offseason because in Veach we trust. Exactly. And that's all I have to say about that. Derek Carr of the NFC South was news today, but other quarterbacks still in the news. Also, Frank Clark, Orlando Brown Jr. The Super Bowl is over, but the run to get it back, to go back-to-back, well, that's that started today. After hours, Dusty Leggins with you, Jed Marshall as well. Breaking news on the day. Chiefs have not placed the tag on Orlando Brown. He will test free agency. And Frank Clark and the team also might test uh, or will test free agency as well. Somebody says, what might be available at left tackle in the draft? Well, I can tell you. You got to go listen to Jay Bingley, Nick Schwartz, and Chris Unicero's podcast at 610sports.com. They had a pretty exciting episode, I'm sure, today. I walked in, talked to Rob Brenton for a little bit. I said, so, <laughs> at what point did you guys erase everything and just go with what is the news of the day? And he looked at me and was like, oh, man, couldn't happen on a better day like a Monday. Speaking of Rob Britton of the drive, he and Carrington had uh, Nate Taylor, Pete Sweeney, Benjamin Albright, all those guys on. I wanted to make sure I got, let you guys hear that in case you missed it earlier today. Um, this is what James Palmer said about Frank Clark real quick, though, because I think he's correct about Frank Clark. Frank Clark, again, 29 years old, what, three-time Super Bowl champion, one of the most all-time sack leaders in playoffs history. Really good in the playoffs. Fantastic in the playoffs. James Palmer on Frank Clark, what he might see in the market. But I do know there's no you know ill will, bad blood between the two sides. It's all love. But I do know that there is a belief that, you know, on the open market, the number is going to be much, much higher than what the Chiefs and Frank Clark could maybe come to a conclusion to. So, um in this game, there's not a whole lot of hometown discounts coming around uh, with anybody. Um, and when you look at what he did, and this is the buzz, like on the biggest stage, in the biggest moments, he makes plays. And those are needed. That's why the Bills went out and made the move for Vaughn Miller, because that was lacking up front for them in their postseason run. And you saw it in the Bills game, to change gears real quick, in the Bills game against the Chiefs earlier in the season. Vaughn Miller, that game for the considering what he could do up front, Frank can do that in the biggest moments, and that's valuable uh, for a lot of teams on the open market, and that's why that number is probably going to be higher than what the Chiefs were comfortable in doing, even though they love him and wanted to bring him back. 
Which, I mean, that makes sense, right? Like, we, we played the audio earlier about Frank Clark and, and testing for agency. But, again, I think the market is out there. I think Frank Clark could 100% get a lot more money than maybe he'd get in Kansas City. And, look, he did his duty here, right? He restructured last year. He turned it on again in the playoffs. You got two rings. You got really, really good sound bites from Frank Clark and post games and playoff games and all that type of stuff. And it is what it is. Um, this is Nate Taylor when he says, uh, with the news say, this was what Nate Taylor had to say about no longer negotiating um, the with Chiefs everything. are no longer really negotiating with themselves in Orlando Brown. We're at the, an exclusive sort of deal. But the Chiefs are also saying, hey, if we can't figure out something between now and next Monday, which is basically when the league year starts and the, the tampering window, then look, tell us what the market is telling you, and we'll see if we want to match it or not. Because if we don't, then we can quickly go to step B, step C, um, when free agency begins, or – Obviously, we can use resources to maybe move up in the draft if we have identified somebody based on conversations at the combine, looked at the film a little bit more, obviously gone through some of our own research and say, hey, maybe we want to draft a left tackle in the middle of the first round and we're willing to maybe, you know, use a couple picks to do that. So there's a number of ways that this could go. But the real question now for Orlando is what do you value most? Do you value winning championships? Or do you value being the highest paid player at your position when you have the opportunity to potentially do so? And that's a hard question for everybody. Tyreek Hill just went through it. And I think he makes a strong point there because the Chiefs really didn't get a chance to kind of play as a pawn slash really aggressive at all with the Tyreek Hill thing last year. Right, Devontae Adams gets signed, Christian Kirk gets signed, the market explodes, and then Tyreek Hill's like, here's the deal. <laughs> right, you use your franchise tag last year in Orlando Brown. It's not open in the market for Tyreek Hill last year. Tyreek Hill goes, I want to get paid. And the Chiefs are like, well, we're not going to pay you. We respect you enough to where we'll trade you. And we'll get what we can out of it. But last year, they didn't have any clout in the, uh, in the free agency. They were kind of, I don't know if they were you know, sucker punched with the Tyreek Hill stuff because of what he wanted, because they were negotiating, right? There's been reports they were negotiating around 23-24. Tyreek Hill wanted 28. Chiefs weren't doing it. And that was a $4 million difference if those were the numbers that they were at negotiating. And we've heard people, credible people say that they were around 23-24. And then Devontae Adams gets 27, and Tyreek Hill goes, I want to be the highest-paid receiver in the game. Chiefs weren't willing to do it. Somebody was. That's the story of free agency. In the simplest form I can put it, we're not going to pay you, but I know somebody will. Also, this is the beauty of the NFL and the salary cap. This is why baseball sucks. Because baseball... The obvious, no salary cap. You don't have to worry about making moves that can, you know, adjust your franchise one way or the other. You look at what I just talked about Jay Binkley with. Ryan Tannehill, man. He's getting paid 38, I think it's like 38.6 last year. They had to move on from A.J. Brown. They weren't going to pay A.J. Brown and Ryan Tannehill. They weren't going to have those two con- They couldn't do it. A.J. Brown left that team, went to Philadelphia, got paid, 
They went to a Super Bowl. There is no way, shape, or form you can tell me that they would have been that good without A.J. Brown. I honestly don't think they would have been because of what the receivers can do for quarterbacks in this league today. There's no doubt in my mind that Stephon Diggs didn't make Josh Allen better. Mahomes is the obvious anomaly. It's the other way around. Now, yes, Tyree Kill is great. Juju Smith, the Juju Smith Schuster is good. But again, Juju Smith Schuster is probably going to be the same way. You know, the Chiefs are like, yeah, you know, we'll give you 16, 17 million a year. And Juju Smith Schuster is going to go out there and see the market and he's going to say, hey, you know what? Somebody's willing to pay me $22 million a year. I'm going to go take that. That's what the Chiefs are, man. When you have a guy like Patrick Mahomes, who's currently like the fifth highest paid quarterback in the league, that'll change here in about six months. But when you know what your franchise is, you know what your franchise can do. And this year in free agency, now that you have the eighth highest cap space at $24 million now, you can now go make that move. Now, I don't think they go out and sign a left tackle. I don't know if they draft. I don't know where they would draft one or what they're going to do with that. Again, I'm telling you, I don't know how to read Brett Veach. He is constantly with the Warshak face mask from the Watchmen. That's what I think Brett Veach. You just never know what it's going to be. And it always seems to come in the obvious times when he makes a move and we see the the gif of him walking out of the building and it's like the confident look. And. He makes those Brett Veach moves. But this is today a reminder. And again, the official league starts next Monday, as you heard Nate Taylor say that of The Athletic. And this is a day where when you look at the Chiefs in 10 years from now, and you'll have many more of these days that happen where you're just kind of put back and surprised. But this is one of those days where when you look at it from a long standpoint, this is why they will be successful for more than four years. The Titans are done. And they went to an AFC championship game. Done. Atlanta, done. Remember when they paid uh, Matt Ryan all that money? Gone. And they ran out of time. Julio Jones got too old. They didn't have a backup plan for Matt Ryan. Now Atlanta's done. Speaking of Atlanta, a quarterback from the AFC West went to the NFC South. The NFC South might be the worst division in football in the history of the NFL next year because of who plays quarterback for each team. I'll explain who they are. You have no idea who they are. I guarantee it. And uh, I don't know if we'll have an above 500 team make the playoffs in the NFC South this year. It's a hot take, but we'll get into more of those here on After Hours on 610 Sports Radio. And this is protest. This is me telling Jed he cannot play music. I don't know if I've ever come back in with with white noise. Uh, Back in on After Hours, Dusty Leggett's with you, Jed Marshall as well, here on 610 Sports Radio. Uh, Travis Kelsey on Saturday Night Live this past weekend. Mixed emotions, right? Like, there's some people that loved it, some people that watched it with rose-colored glasses, and they don't think he can do any wrong, but here we are. Um, from the 816, 95% of what Veach has done has worked out. He deserves the benefit of the doubt by now. Um, Yeah, man, I mean, Brett Veach, is, Brett, Be- Brett Veach is exactly what he should be. He's a man that when this time of the year happens, you just... Brett Veach right now is like Patrick Mahomes with a 10-point deficit going into the fourth quarter. That's what that's what Brett Veach is right now. That's This is his moment. This is when it gets really, 
really fun to follow what they do. And you better believe it. As soon as, as soon as he makes the move, like today, it'll be a different type of vibe um, when it comes uh, to full effects when the league can officially start. Uh, Derek Carr was signed today by the New Orleans Saints. By the way, that cap hit, 2022, the number one tap cap hit in the NFL was 38.6, Ryan Tannehill. 2023's top cap hits, he's number five at 38.6 million as well. And again, Warren Sharp says the Titans trade away A.J. Brown last year and are now shopping Derrick Henry to afford Tannehill's top five cap hits in the last two years. Is this going to be foreshadowing of what's about to happen for the New York Giants? Could. They're going to pay Daniel Jones upwards of 40-some million a year. That's what's being reported, that Daniel Jones will make upwards of 40-plus million a year, which is insane. But that's the market, man. Like, quarterbacks get paid. And like I said, Patrick Mahomes will have a restructure. But again, Patrick Mahomes makes a ton of money um, outside of the NFL. Well, and I thought you and Grant the other day on After Hours made a great point talking about if you're looking at the NFL free agency offseason and the fact that Daniel Jones might command this much money, mm-hmm. how great of a deal is Patrick Mahomes oh. now? And how much does it move? You were talking about the brilliance of Brett Veach in the last mm-hmm. segment and the fact that he's if not the best general manager in all of the NFL, mm-hmm. at least top three, I would say oh, yeah. up there, number one. But just how smart does that decision make decision look now and make him look? And I heard Alex and Cody talking about it today. I mean, just the fact that you're sitting with the best player in football and now you're talking about Daniel Jones mm-hmm. possibly resetting the market for that player. It's yep. unbelievable the job that he did. It's uh, it, 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 you could always the one thing I will say about Veach, you can always like kind of read the tea leaves of what he's playing. Like a lot of people are like, oh well, now what do we do with Snead? Like, are they going to sign Snead? Is Snead the best cornerback in football? No, he's not. And I I think that you've seen, at least over the past few years, that Brett Veach has a remarkable track record of finding guys at that position in later rounds where they found luxurious need, being able to get that same production. I mean, just think about it since he's been here. I know that a guy who who we've all probably put into the, you know, blinders, for Mm -hmm. lack of a better term, but is Steven Nelson. Think about how productive he was. He went to the Steelers, got... Not big money, but, you know, good money for a cornerback, Charvarius Ward. Yeah. For, to be able to find guys like that in the fourth, fifth, sixth round and turn them into guys who are going to get paid, I think speaks to the brilliance of what the Chiefs try and do. And maybe that's one of the strengths. Maybe Brett Veach isn't the best at drafting running backs. Yeah. Maybe. But then again, finding Isaiah Pacheco in the seventh round, I think that you're seeing hits in every round, mm-hmm. which makes going into the draft, especially with it being in Kansas City, that much more exciting. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if he's, you know, I don't think he necessarily cares about making a a big splash on draft night. It might just be coincidental that it's in Kansas City and they make a big trade up. That just might, that, I don't think that has anything to do. Like, Bryce Young, oh, good trading up. Career back up. Um, but we mentioned the Saints and Derek Carr. He got a four-year deal for $150 million. 
He's getting 60 guaranteed just to sign his name. Could you imagine the life you'd have if you just by signing your signature you get $60 million? I mean, it's a little bit like working here. So, yeah, I can. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, he gets $100 million in total guarantees. And he gets $70 million effectively fully guaranteed. 60 at signing, another $10 million in year three, vesting after year one. Carr structures his deal to accommodate Saints cap issues. Do you think the Saints are overpaying, though? Yes. Because I don't think... Again, with what we set out, looking at what the quarterback market is, you you still feel like they overpaid. I mean, I think they need somebody in there that's like a dog. And I don't know if Carr's a dog. Right. And I I get, but But how... they pay him like that. How many... And again, we're just going to go back to the exact same thing. How many guys really are dogs, in your mind, in the NFL that play the quarterback position? Four? Maybe? Yeah. I mean, who who would you put it? Obviously, Mahomes. Yeah. Allen. Uh, I mean, Josh Allen. I I think that... I think he was hurt this year. I think he had... Sure. And I think that the returns that you're seeing from the bills and from Josh Allen Mm. are completely indicative on the way that they've decided to play him. I think that you're going to see diminishing, diminishing returns from Josh Allen as his career progresses. I don't think you can put Lamar Jackson into that category. I put Joe Burrow. Yeah. Mahomes. Jalen hurts. I think he proved it with his performance in the Super Bowl. That's the biggest stage against the best team. And you, you absolutely nailed it. Yeah. He, he definitely balled and played like, like a beast or Mm -hmm. like a dog for your term. But Mm -hmm. I do think I'll be interested to see when it's actually time for him to be paid and what the Eagles are able to do to put the roster around him. How much of the conversation was made as we went into the Super Bowl that Two through through 53, the Eagles are actually better than the Chiefs. You know, I mean, to me, that's the entire point. That's, again, it speaks to the brilliance of what Brett Reed, or excuse me, Brett Veach, Andy Reed, have all been able to do here in Kansas City. Mm -hmm. Not only have they found their guy and paid him, but they're still able to succeed in spite of the fact that they have massive amounts of, you know, capital invested. So this is a list of the quarterbacks five through 13 when it comes to average like money a year, Mahomes is fifth on the list and he makes 45 a year below him is Allen at 43 Stafford below him at 40 Prescott at 40 Derek Carr 37 with the Saints. So Derek Carr essentially is the ninth highest paid quarterback in the NFL. As of right now, I mean, Burrow's going to smash the market. Sure. Hertz is going to crash the market. And then by then, we'll see if Brett Beach does it again. He goes, ah, before all these guys sign like $60 million deals, let's give Patrick Mahomes a restructure. The other thing, too, that's different about Mahomes is Mahomes makes so much more money outside of football than these other guys. Like with Adidas, Oakley, State Farm, he's got the air, uh, whatever that is, The he just gets a, a plane. And, you know, the Texans will say that's fair for Derek Carr. I mean, I think so. I mean, never won a playoff game, only played in two. Um, And when they lost their most recent one, he threw on fourth down short of the end zone. So, like, it's like, and Derek Carr had every single option on his team last year. Now, coaching is is an issue, but he had the best running back in football last year, right? I'd say Josh Jacobs is probably up there. Like, he at least he led the league in rushing, um, and he's going to get paid as well. You have Devontae Adams. Now, 
Renfro and Waller were both kind of on and off with injuries, so that's kind of unfair. But, I mean, again, like, you had your college teammate and still couldn't really – and they were bad. They were losing, like, one possession games. Like, they were finding ways to lose. We all remember the Chiefs game at Arrowhead. They're they're up 17 (laughs) and lost. But, you know, it's just – I don't know if he's that guy. I think you and I are more on the same page, and I'm certainly not trying to say that Derek Carr is a guy that you want to go out and build your franchise around, but I'm saying with the current economics of the NFL, Mm -hmm. I certainly don't think that the contract he's getting, in spite of the fact that it sounds like gaudy numbers, and of course it is absolutely outlandish money for anybody who's a regular person, I don't think Derek Carr's performance on the field, again, not to say he's a world beater, but when we start talking about different quarterbacks, mm-hmm. quarterbacks around the league, I don't think that he's being overpaid. It doesn't mean that the market isn't completely out of whack and completely yeah, it's broken. insane. Yeah. But at the most important part, and in Derek Carr's defense, I also think that in spite of the fact that, yeah, he hasn't probably lived up to the hype maybe that he had in his, you know, one season where he might have won the NFL MVP. He was close. But then he got injured, and he's had so much turmoil between coaching changes, off-the-field issues with teammates, things of that nature. Sure. It hasn't – I know you bring up bringing in Devontae Adams, and I'm with you, bringing in the best receiver arguably in the NFL, and one of your old college teammates should help. But that's still quite a bit of different stuff yeah. going on to try and figure it out. Yeah. The Seahawks also gave a quarterback money today. They finalized a three-year, $105 million contract extension for one Geno Smith. So the two light feathers have fallen. The rest is coming. And again, nothing can be officially done until the NFL season starts. But again, quarterbacks are falling. It's almost 8 o'clock. We do our nightly 8 o'clock question. It's always random. It's always different. Ted, I think it's a good one. And I think Jed's going to have a ton of them. For answers. He doesn't know the question. You don't know the question, but I do. That next year on 610 Sports Radio on After Hour.